We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. And now, KC Johnson. Kobe White, pull up three over Karis LeVert and nails it. Bulls insider for NBC Sports Chicago. Give me that song. Covering everything from the dynasty to Derek to DeMar. KC Johnson. I've covered the NBA for a long time. With Mullen Haw. Most. On 670 The Score. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Always a delight to talk to KC Johnson. And all guests appear on the Score Hotline. Presented by Soda Weight Loss. Visit sodaweightloss.com. That's S-O-T-A. KC, good morning. How are you? What's going on, guys? How you doing? Well, it's a whole new season. And David now has the the Bulls. Did you have them in the playoffs or the or the title game i have them in the playoffs not the title you said they're set to get on a run on their way okay didn't say where uh and that's because patrick beverly is bringing the magic dust right that's what he does (laughs) he's he's a he's a tough kid he's a local guy and he's got a little bit of crazy to him and he's gonna you know mix it up with anyone yeah, he's a very uh, uh, outgoing personality, shall we say. He uh, <laughs> he likes uh, revving up crowds. He likes getting in opponents' faces. He enjoys the banter. He enjoys uh, being a pesky defender. Um, he's got a outgoing personality. So, um, look, this has been a team that, as we've seen many times, has slept walk through a lot of uh, – games um Patrick Beverly doesn't play that way so he's also a guy that fits in um he knows his role in the locker room so I don't expect him to um try to overstep his lane but uh I think it's a you know it's a 23 game experiment I have have no problem with signing I think in some ways you can make the argument that he fits better than than Russell Westbrook might have not that that would have been a bad fit um and uh I I think it's uh it's interesting and intriguing for these final 23 games to watch where it goes. I, I love the story, Casey, and I know you're familiar with it as much as anybody because you remember back in 2010 when they considered signing him, and then I think again in, in 2012 he was involved in a summer conversation, and then I think 2019 was the most recent possibility. It's always been something, it seems like, on his basketball bucket list. He wants to play for the Bulls and wear that uniform because of you know, growing up in the city, playing for Marshall, all those things are in play and have to have been a factor why this makes a lot of sense for him. And I think at this point in time, as you point out, it makes a lot of sense for the Bulls, but it is a cool homecoming story. No question. Uh, and here's the thing, like he's always been about winning and impacting teams to try to make the playoffs. You add in the element of doing it for his hometown Bulls when they're in a tough spot, man, that just takes it to another, to another level. So, you know, we don't want to overstate matters. He's not going to be out there playing 42 minutes a night. Um, you know, he's, he's signed to, to play a role, but it, it's a great story from both a local level 
and it's an intriguing story from an impact level. I think he can help. I think he can make a difference. Um, and I know for a fact, because I've talked to some people in, in his world, that he's, you know, over the moon about this. And as you mentioned, David, has long wanted this opportunity um, to, to play for his hometown Bulls. Yeah, um, you know, he's a guy that, um, you know, will help their perimeter defense, will, you know, kind of get in the face of, of different people if need be, opponents or maybe teammates. Um, how quickly do you believe he he gets involved in this? I mean, do you see him actually playing on Friday? How healthy are they? What uh, what will happen here? And, and uh, Casey, I'm sure they're going to have a practice or two before the game, right? They won't just yeah, they're yeah, they're due for two practices coming out of the yeah. All Star break Wednesday, Wednesday and Thursday, so they'll have some acclimation time. As for whether or not he'll play, that's that's obviously a Billy call and something we'll ask him. I would think that. If you're going to sign him for a 23-game experiment, I, I think you're going to see him out there sooner rather than later. I think the biggest area where I, I like to fit is beyond the, the defense and the three-point shooting, although that's tailed off in recent years. He he ostensibly is a point guard, but he really plays more off the ball. And he can play make, he can bring the ball up, but he just is one of those guys who fits in. I don't see him as ball dominant as Russell Westbrook might have been. Um, and you know he's a guy that will will seed to to the, the stars, so he'll he'll blend in that way. I think he'll take some pressure off them at times, but he won't be uh, taking usage or opportunity too much away from those guys. I think he'll 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 augment them probably a little bit better than a ball dominant guy like Russell Westbrook might. Have. He'll seed to the stars on the court. I wonder what the dynamic will be in the locker room. I wonder about how this will go over because he doesn't enter any room quietly, it seems. And I think that his impact is part of the reason he's, you know, he's here and why teams want him to be part of it because of his just mentality, his attitude, and the way that his energy changes changes the dynamic. What do you expect and who is going to be affected the most, do you think, KC? Well, as far as who's going to be affected the most, uh, I assume you're asking about role yeah. uh, or – well, yeah, just in I, terms I, of, okay, I mean, we talk about well, who's the Bulls, cutting, first of all. Yeah, the cutting, but also the complacency that we talk about and have noticed by the Bulls. Is there any one person or any is it just collective that you think this will change? Yeah, I think it's just more of a collective thing. And again, I, like I said before, he, he's not a guy who oversteps his lane. He does have a loud personality, but he's not going to come in and just act like it's his team. That's just not who he is. That's not how he operates. It's never how he's operated. He's a team guy. He fits in. So yes, his personality is his personality, but it's not like he was walking around the Laker locker room telling LeBron James what to do. I mean, he's not stupid. So um, uh, I, I think, you know, he and Zach Levine used to share an agency. I, I've been told that, that Zach is, is pretty happy about the move. So there's that. Uh, I, 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 he just, I think there's no downside to this um, because, like I said, it's a 23-game experiment. He is ecstatic about the opportunity playing for his hometown team. And he's going to come in and try to impact winning. That's his only focus and his only goal. Um, I do expect um, as far they do need to make create a roster spot. Molly asked. I I I think it's going to be Tony Bradley. There's a small chance it might be Goran Dragic just because you know his role is going to be impacted the most because that's the veteran point guard they brought in. His his rotational role has been dwindling over recent weeks anyway. And if you throw another guard in the mix, I think that opportunity almost goes by the wayside. So those are the two names that I'm focused on. Um, 
but uh, I, like I said, I think this is a really positive development for, for the Bulls. Yeah, I, you know, it's interesting because they probably would have taken Russ if he were if they were able to get him. And as you say, that is more of a, a ball-dominant guard, and this is a totally different feeling uh, with, with P. Bev. And, and because he is from here, it is like one of his goals to play for the Bulls. So it, I think you will see the best from the guy, and I don't think there'll be a lot of um, – I, I don't see a lot of downside to the move. Now, you know, we talked before about the whole Tristan Thompson thing. The buyout guys are available for a reason – um, this is this is a little bit different because he's more of a specialist. Yeah, and and also because he fits more of a position of need, really, yes. from my perspective. Yes. You know, I mean, like he he is, you know, his three point shooting has tailed off a little bit, but he's you know a career thirty seven point three point shooter. Um, the Bulls have had too many lapses defensively. He's a get in your face defender uh, on the perimeter, um, and like I said, he can he can bring the ball up, but he can also play off the ball. So he's a nice combo guard in, in that realm. I also, you know, I mean, you can't not look at the connection and the benefit that this could provide for Ayo DeSumo, where, you know, his minutes might go down somewhat. You know, I always talks about being a sponge. I mean, here's a, a mentor from, from Chicago that, you know, another brain that he can pick. So I think that that's another layer to this as well. You know, the rust thing, um, I, I he would have had such a familiarity here with the coaching staff with Billy Donovan and Maurice Cheeks and, and Josh Longstaff that um, I think that would have been fine for a 23 game experiment too. I just think as far as playing fit, I think Patrick Beverly might have a little bit better upside uh, than, than Russell Westbrook did. I mean, Russell's probably a more talented player at this stage of his career, um, but. I think Beverly is a nice fit for what the Bulls need. Not that it's a big deal, Casey, but did Russell Westbrook pick the Clippers over the Bulls? Was that an either-or for him, or was the Bulls' interest overstated? No, they had interest. Uh, I don't know. Um, I, I don't. I don't have it reported to the point where it was those that were the, the two finalists. But the Bulls were in that conversation for sure. They were in that mix, and there's you know you can just connect the dots. I mean, you know, he picks the Clippers, and then they move on right to Beverly, um, you know, and, and I had kind of laid that out that, that Beverly was in the mix um, with some reporting I did last week. So um, this is this is kind of just the way you thought it would play out. I mean, Russell was going to decide and they were going to move on to the next layer of guards. And, and, you know, we've obviously been debating about this in the media room amongst the beat writers who cover this team. And there's several of us who who are making the points that I'm making that, you could make the argument that Patrick Beverly is a, is more of a fit and, and, you know, supplies more of the needs that the Bulls have. So we'll see how it plays out. There was quite a bit of excitement uh, over adding Tristan Thompson at this time last year, and that was kind of underwhelming. Even though his stats were good, it just didn't seem to really translate much to winning. So they still need to play better as a team. I mean, Patrick Beverly's not going to come in and single-handedly save the season. They need to play better as a team. And, uh, you know, you heard LeBron coming out of the All-Star game, and we'll have to ask you about that, um, say that these are the most 20 – these next 23 games are the most important of his life. Are these the most important 23 games of the Bulls' <laughs> LeBron-like life? I don't know how Existence? to – Existence? <laughs> yeah. Well, I did hear uh, – I, I watched DeMar DeRozan's uh, uh, post-All-Star – game uh 
on news conferences because I'm a sick man. Uh, I was not in Salt Lake City. And, you know, he alluded to it as, as pretty important, too, and that that's, you know, it's only focus is to get fully healthy and to, to you know, get this team on a run and, and into the playoffs. So, um, you know, I will say, you know, we, we're talking about Patrick Beverly coming in and lighting the fire in the locker room. I mean, DeMar's a pretty chill guy, but, I mean, it's not like the dude doesn't, you know, play intensely in his own way and, and take things seriously. So he, he understands the importance of this stretch run. And, you know, the Bulls as a whole know how poorly they play. They're, they're not happy with it. They're embarrassed by it. And we'll see what they got over these final 23 games. Well, he is the master of the mid-range as he was introduced I, yeah. on Sunday. So in his 16 minutes, Casey, did you see uh, a player that is not going to be bothered by his injury that kept him out of the last couple of games before the break? Were you surprised he played at all? because of the, the status that he went into the break, uh, and is he fine now? Yeah, I had no problem with it. I, I, I think for people that, that focus on that, I mean, those aren't taxing minutes as we all saw. Oh, uh, yeah, I mean, Zach did the they same thing They were taxing to watch, Casey. Yes, there you go. Zach did the same thing last year with his left knee. Uh, he did not miss the game before the All-Star break, so – I understand the optics might look a little differently for DeMar, but I got no problem with it. He would have been playing basketball over the break anyway in a rehab situation, getting out on the court. Um, he's going to be fine. Uh, they played Thursday before the break. He's going to have eight days between games, a lot of treatment, a lot of rest. He knows his body as well as anybody. If those were playoff games, those last two games before the break, he would have been out there. It was a minor injury. Um, you know, He has been playing through it for a while. But those are the you know, things that a lot of players are going through uh, in the stage of a season. They just got to play through aches and pains, and I expect them to be fine for these final 23 games. I, I was telling David, I can't think of any way to fix that all-star game if the players don't care. I thought the NBA did a good job with the weekend and putting everything together, and obviously the, the former Bull winning the dunk contest was awesome. Uh, Dame Lillard, future Bull, any chance? Um, but it was just – it was just an awful game. And, you know, financial incentive, and by that I mean offer every player who wins a million dollars of the opponent's money. Maybe that would be the kind of incentive. Other than that, I don't know why you're playing an all-star game if no one wants to play. There was no competitiveness at all to that game. Yeah, the Elam Endy was supposed to add that. It did a little bit in that uh, game in Chicago in 2020. I thought that was actually a pretty competitive finish. Um I bet at All-Star Games, um, the one in Orlando in 2012 when Tom Thibodeau and the Bulls coaching staff was representing the East was extremely competitive. I always forget if Kobe broke Dwayne Wade's nose or vice versa. Anyway, those two guys were going at it, and one of them broke the other guy's nose. Um, so there have been times where it has been competitive. But, yeah, that was pretty – pretty. Uh, it was just a three-point shooting contest, basically, oh. is all it was. Um I do love All-Star Saturday night. I think that's pretty awesome. And here's the thing I would say, like, I'm a little bit in defense of the players here because they there are so many community service appearances over that weekend and so many sponsor events. And obviously there are a lot of parties, too, that by the time they get to Sunday, they're, they're cooked, man. They're, they're, like, done, you know? So I don't know how you fix it if you want the event, the weekend to be as much of an event as it is for the whole league and all the sponsors and the showcase and all that stuff because these players i've been there man they just do not really have a free minute they're getting pulled in a lot of different directions over the weekend so 
it, it's an issue for let's, sure. Let's look ahead, KC. The Bulls come back on Friday. They've got four winnable games right out of the gate. And I just wonder, you can't waste any of the 23 games remaining. Whether Patrick Beverly is involved early and often or not, when you look at these first four games, don't they have to do uh, have finish three and one in these first four opponents to have any sort of hope of sneaking into the play-in or the playoffs? Yeah, to, to answer your question, yes. But what I would say, David, I put this on Twitter one time, is uh, I'm a little tired of people saying Bulls have winnable games because you know what? Opponents are saying the same thing when they see the Bulls in their schedule. They're saying that's a winnable game. You know, it's like I get it. I, you know, it's an opportunity. It's a sub-500 team. It's not an elite team. I get it. But that's what the Orlando Magic are saying when the Bulls come up. They're like, man, there's a chance for us to get one. I mean, that's just the way the season is, this season is gone. And that's an indictment on the Bulls. Um, so, to answer your question, yes, they they have to they 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 can't squander any more of these games. But we've been seeing them do that all season, and that's why they're in the position they're in. So, I'll be as curious as everyone else see what kind of response they have. Brooklyn just got them, you know, out there the day that they made all those franchise altering moves. Um, and, uh, you know, I think Patrick Beverly will be, you know, obviously ready to go. I think the crowd will give him a great ovation. I think it's going to be a fun story. But they got to play better. Um, and uh, it's uh, to your point, they, can, they, they, they can't waste any games because they, they put themselves in a really poor situation to, to make the playoffs. The, the six-game losing streak to, to get to the All-Star break is some of the worst basketball they've played I mean it was god awful and they blew leads in different games and it, it, it's just shocking that they've managed to lose in that fashion it, you know it, KC it was not that long ago we thought they were like a game or two away from 500 low there here they come and then just fizzle well and, and also Molly you know a game or they were 26 and 27 I believe and, and that right. was when you know, they were also with all those high-profile victories over like the Celtics and Bucks. So you, you, you had a you had a, a a decent feeling about this team, and it, yeah, that was just a, a very poor way to enter the All-Star break. That game in Indiana, I mean, I was at both of them, and to have the, those happen, those train wrecks happen in that close of fat in that close of time period in the same fashion was just really painful to watch. I mean, that 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 was a disastrous loss. And, um, you know, those are the ones that have happened too often. I mean, they've blown right. five games with a lead of 16 points or more. That's almost unconscionable. So you need to see them, you know, get past that issue that you need to see Patrick Beverly come in and make an impact. And you need to see your stars play better down the stretch. It's as simple as that. And uh, I'm as excited as anybody to see where it goes. The only thing that would have made that Pacers game more watchable, Casey, if you would have done play-by-play. <laughs> You guys immortalized that enough with my intro to, to your guys' <laughs> show. So thank you for that. Karis LeVert, Kobe White with a pull-up three over Karis LeVert. There you go. <laughs> That's great. Uh, you're the Good best, stuff, Casey. Casey. Thank you, buddy. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate that it. That is Casey Johnson from NBC Sports Chicago. Hilarious. Good stuff on PBEV. 312-644-6767. We got a, a caller who wants to talk about the Bears. You want to talk about the okay. free agency stuff? We can do that. We can talk about the Bears. Is there any way that the Bears don't get Orlando Brown? I mean, isn't that a fait accompli? 
I think that you could look at it that way. And if you want to be a prisoner of the moment like I was earlier, I'm going to let you do it. All right. Mully and Hall on the score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Mully and Hall flashback. 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 I'll continue saying this. I would spend my money on offensive line and I would draft defensive line. That's just my thinking, from my experience, my philosophy. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 to the score. That is the voice of Dave Wanstead. And uh, and I just think, David, that you know, as we pick apart all the different uh, possibilities and the things they could do, um, if, if indeed the Kansas City Chiefs are struggling to figure out how they're going to pay everybody, and now they've got Orlando Brown, who played last year on a franchise tag. So as you know, that tag price goes up significantly in the second year. Mm-hmm. Um, they gave up a lot for him when they got him from mm-hmm. Baltimore. They traded away a lot to bring him in. If they decide, you know what? We're 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 good. We won the Super Bowl. We don't have to worry about we can we can invest in the draft. And it was worth the can, price. That, yes, it paid off. But, Smart investment. 
do they need him again? Yes. Well, everybody could use an anchor on their offensive line. The question becomes, because of what you're paying your quarterback, because of the other needs that exist, can you afford that luxury when you are coming off a season that you're celebrating a Super Bowl? There's less urgency for any team coming off a Super Bowl victory. That's the point I think we don't know the answer to. The question that I think we'll see how they answer over the next two weeks. Today is the first day teams can apply the franchise tag. That's why we're talking about it. Now, not every team is going to rush off to the you know, computer and, and designate, okay, Orlando Brown Jr., you are tagged. Or whatever the case may be, whatever player you want to put in that situation. The reason it's relevant. If Orlando Brown Jr., the Chiefs' left tackle, who turned down a six-year, $139 million extension offer from the Chiefs prior to last season, right? if he goes to the open market and he isn't tagged, and you're Ryan Poles, who understands what he brings to the organization because he used, he used to be part of that organization, yeah, he you was pounce. there when they when they made the trade. For you him. pounce, and he becomes and priority one. That's what I that's what I was saying is if indeed he hits the open market, don't you have to make a move for him? Yep. You've got all this money, and you've got a chance to get a Pro Bowl player. He made the Pro Bowl yet again this year. Don't you kind of have to? Isn't it incumbent upon you? to make sure that you get better on that offensive line, and here's a cornerstone piece. That's where you start in terms of your your improvement on the offense and your commitment to making Justin Fields better. You want to protect him. You want to give yourself a, a, somebody to protect his blind side. Now, not, again, this is not a comment or a critique of Braxton Jones, but when you get a day three draft pick who as a rookie becomes a – dependable starter you like what you have but if you can upgrade you always will because you have flexibility with his skill set you could move him to the right side maybe Orlando Brown Jr. is the guy you want on the right side I don't know they pay right tackles a lot but I would put it I would keep him on the left if you're able to make that pursuit now the Chiefs they can as you say tag him again his his money would increase by 120 percent it would cost him 20 million dollars in 2023 you could do that it, it would be good for your cap it would be good for your locker room because you're alienating, essentially, a player who was a leader on your team. You don't always want to do that. You will, in certain cases. This might be a special case like that. But the point is, keep an eye on what the Chiefs do in Kansas yeah. City because it could affect, in a big way, what the Bears do this offseason. All right. 312-644-6767. Pat is on the road. Hey, Pat. Hey, good morning, guys. How you doing? Good. good. Um, so before I ask you my question, I wanted to bring up something really quick. Yesterday you guys talked about because it pertains to my question today. So yesterday you guys talked briefly about Rodgers and leaving Green Bay and stuff. Mm. Um, so I'm a Packer fan. I grew up on the south, south side of Chicago. Um, I'm in a family full of Bears fans, and I grew up a Packer fan, though. So I'm the black sheep. But um, um, I listen to a lot of different podcasts on the Packers and whatnot. One of the guys I listen to, Peter Bukowski, he does Lockdown Packers, and he's in agreement with you guys. He thinks he's leaving too, and I hope Rodgers leaves too. Um, but he said if the Packers bring him back, um, Packers more than likely are going to really push it all in and give away what they have to to get um, a big-name player, specifically DeAndre, DeAndre Hopkins. Um, and it got me thinking about the Bears. So what I wanted to ask you guys is hypothetically, um, let's say the Bears move out of that number one spot and they trade back with 
you know, uh, the Jets or the Raiders and, you know, they get a 2024 first rounder and some stuff, a second and a third or what have you. Um, my question for you guys is, would you rather have them maybe go after, let's say, DeAndre Hopkins and give up some of that draft capital or um, keep all that stuff that you get from dropping down and just to continue to build through the draft? Thanks, Pat. I don't know that I would give up a ton of draft capital for DeAndre Hopkins at this stage of his career. I think it's more about more about the future than it is the present. You do need a number one. He would serve that purpose, but I would be very cautious about overspending for a player like that at this stage. Uh, and I don't know if you need to go down that far if you're drafting, if you're trading your number one overall pick. I don't know that I would go lower than four. Yeah, uh, the thinking is that they'd like to still get one of the two great defensive players in the draft while right. trading down. I mean, that that would be the ideal um, scenario. But, I mean, here's the thing. I don't know how good these guys are at drafting. I'm hoping they're real good. And you just need – you know, they did a pretty good job getting some offensive linemen, just rank-and-file NFL players with uh, whatever – they they had seven picks in the final hundred. Wouldn't it be great to see him have like seven picks in the top fifty? I, I, I'm joking, but they got one player in the top fifty right now. They need more. They need more, and the way you do that is by trading down lower. However, I think they need front line talent, and I think if you've got a uh, a guy that you believe is going to be, you know. The, the engine that can run your defense for some years to come, then you you make sure but, you come away with that player and then you try to pick up other things. But, I you know, you've got teams at two and at four that would be probably willing motivated to Motivated buyers. Yeah. And, and their division opponents. When you have that, you play one against the other. And the ideal situation as we sit here right now would be being able to still get that impact defensive linemen, either Carter or Anderson, and still get one of the players that you could pick this year in the top 50 and yep. get a future first rounder. There you go. Now, is that, is that asking for a lot? Absolutely. Yes. But that value on that number one pick is going to be higher than it ever has been theoretically. You have to look at draft inflation. You have to look at supply and demand. And if you're able to get a top 50 player with a future first rounder and still get your defensive impact guy, that's a good day for Ryan Poles. That's a good draft. But you're right. I'm glad you said that. We don't know really how good of a drafter this guy is. We don't know how how shrewd of a deal maker Ryan Poles is. Yeah. So we're going to learn a lot about him over the next uh, nine weeks or so. It's going to be fascinating, and it's going to be really interesting. And, and frankly, every time you turn around, there's going to be another rumor, and that's how this stuff works. It's just uh, you know any conversation you have will there's potentially to, be leaked and you know we'll we'll have all sorts of information as you move forward and who knows it is it is right now it is uh it's a riddle it's a it's a riddle wrapped in an enigma yes. inside a mystery but the only thing that will outnumber the you know there, there's going to be rumors and the only thing that will be more rumors that more than rumors are mock drafts mm -hmm. because they're going to come out one a day at least until the draft okay so back to the franchise tag label which today is the first day we mentioned Orlando Brown Jr. because it makes a lot of sense. Also, keep an eye on Washington. 
Deron Payne is a guy yeah. that, who, as a defensive yeah. tackle, they need him as badly on the defensive line, perhaps, as much as maybe they could use Orlando Brown Jr. on the offensive line. I don't. I think Orlando Brown Jr. is a more proven player, but Deron Payne had a breakout season, and you could look at him as a welcome addition on the defensive front. No question, and and I mean there are actually like three or four defensive tackles that are pretty good players that you could go out and and get. They've got enough capital to be able to get multiple players. I do expect there is a limit to how many they're going to sign. I think they're going to want to keep some money available for next year too. I, I would be surprised if they if they tap into all their resources. You're right. They're gonna they're not going to spend it all because they can. Yeah, exactly. Draymond Jones from the Broncos is another defensive lineman that you think yeah. if they don't tag him and he becomes a free agent. So that may be a move to keep an eye on. But, yeah, the defensive lineman, offensive lineman, that's where you're looking to in free agency to begin because, as Dave once said, alluded to coming into the segment, you can buy those guys. You can buy those and, and that, that kind of consistency. You know, um, I wonder about um, – you know, I would imagine – that David Montgomery is not in the Bears' plans, frankly. I don't think they're going to bring him back. And I, you know, you mentioned earlier about Saquon Barkley. What's interesting about that is that there is a decision to be made uh, in terms of do you keep a quarterback or a running back in uh, in New in New York, and it, what the Giants do there will be interesting. I mean, I don't know that they want to pay either of those guys the kind of money it would take. Um, and I wonder. If after watching the Super Bowl and seeing Pancheco do um, as well as he did, if the Bears feel like they can draft one late and hmm. do just as well. Well, they got Khalil Herbert late, yeah. so they look at him as an example of maybe of what you're saying. Did they draft Khalil Herbert, though? They did not. Yeah. No, but and I I'm think— I'm saying they, they might be thinking that they can—that you don't have to give up that kind of money for a— Front line. Everything's case by case because yes. I think that there's a difference between moving on from David Montgomery and saying no to Saquon Barkley. <laughs> if you have an opportunity to sign one and say goodbye to the other. You know what I mean? There's just in terms of explosiveness. If you move on from David Montgomery, I understand that, but you better draft wisely and you better not neglect that position because even though it's not a premium position, it still matters. Wow. Was that, who were you mocking? With I'm just saying, no. Very, Every time I talk I, about either linebackers or running backs, people remind me that it's not a premium position. I say that kind of in that voice just to, for emphasis. Thank you. I'm right here, Dan. I'm not saying you. I, 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 you know, I'm more offended than you are, Dustin. I think I was. I had said premium I, position. I, I come not to offend anybody this morning. I come in it's peace. Pretty funny, though. Yeah, I, I gotta, I'm fascinated by what the Bears decide to do in the free agent market and definitely keeping an eye on it. And, you know, the thing is, how do you get better, right? They got to get better, and they got to get a lot better. So it, it's a combination of both those markets and every other one out there, including, you know, the, 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 um, the unrestricted market, the, you know, restricted market, the – the guys on the street market. The scrap heap uh, market. Yes, yeah. no question. Got to have that one. All right, we've, uh, we're going to talk some Cubs next. We're going to head out to Cubs camp. It's Mully and Hall on the score. Yeah, I'm excited about the group that Jed and Carter and the front office put together. And, um, you know, 
it's a, just a different feel. It just really is a different uh, way they go about their business, their routines. Um, it's really nice. So it's hard for me to come in with any other expectations of only reason I'm here is to win. I think that's we've got a lot of guys in the room that have been a part of special moments like that, and and it's easy to see that's what they're all about too. Molly and Hall, Chicago Sports Radio, six seventy. The score that, of course, the voice of David Ross, and always good to hear from him. And we are delighted to uh, to talk to Andy Martinez. He, of course, a reporter with Marquee Sports Network, and he's been in camp since it started, since spring training got going here. And uh, and we're delighted to welcome him to the program. And of course, all. All the people who come on our show uh, appear on the score hotline presented by the fine folks at Soda Weight Loss. Visit sodaweightloss.com. That's S O T A Soda. Hey, Andy, how are you this morning? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Good. We're pumped up, and, uh, and I like what I'm hearing from David Ross, and it is kind of winning time. And obviously, Tom was there yesterday, and you add all that stuff together, and you think, this could be the Cubs could uh, exceed maybe the uh, win expectations that we read from Pakoda. Yeah. And I think that's what their message has been all along since, since camp opened and, and since camp kind of began before it began, really Nico Horner, David Ross, Jed Hoyer at his opening press conference last week mentioned that it's their job to go out there and, and outperform the expectations that are kind of being put out there from, from the outside perspective one thing that talking to people around the Cubs is they really are positive that their their defense can really carry them and, and is maybe getting overlooked in terms of projections and, and predictions of what could happen this season that the defense of, especially up the middle of whether you have Tucker Barnhart and Jan Gomes at catcher, Dansby Swanson, Nico Horner up the middle, and then Cody Bellinger in center field, that spine, so to say, is pretty strong and, and defensively is as strong as many across the, as, as any across the league really so Andy we heard from Seiya Suzuki through his interpreter that he was going to extend <laughs> the invitation to Shohei Otani because he's a free agent Otani at the end of the year and we don't know where that's headed but how would you describe that reaction and what else you heard from Suzuki who has returned and looks like he's added some bulk yeah the uh the, the Otani comment was kind of funny it was the last question of the with a little press scrum and, and he, he had some fun with it saying, you know, I've, I've invited him uh, and, and he's welcoming him to play. But in terms of the, the relationship with him and, and Shohei, there wasn't too much into it. He was asked earlier in the press, in the press scrum about what's the relate or what's the interactions been like with him and you Darvish about playing with the WBC. And he says, truthfully, I don't really remember our conversation. So the, the, the as far as the extent of the relationship, there wasn't a whole else lot that was delved in. But, yeah, Saya mentioned yesterday that he came in and added 20 pounds over the offseason. He wanted to add muscle this, this offseason for, for step quickness, bat speed quickness, all those things that could, that could help him in his power game. And he also mentioned he really worked on his defense. He looked at his fielding percentage last year uh, for a team that's really, again, priding itself on defense. He said, my defense was not good enough. So the, the one thing that he really was working on, too, was, was the defense side in right field we all know how tricky that, that right field can be at Wrigley Field, and he wants to improve that, that defense for, for a team that's priding itself on, on defense and, and pitching. So a couple of, uh, of things becoming official. Michael Fulmer, Fulmer signing is official, and Cody Hoyer 
um, is now on the 60-day IL, and he's expected back in uh, in mid-June or July. Um, and that's uh, he's going to start, you know, throwing, gearing up after Tommy John. Who? How do you see the closer by committee approach? Is it designed? to take a look at everybody and give someone a chance to step up or is it uh is, is it are they hoping that one guy is the closer I mean I think ultimately every team always hopes that one guy you know kind of emerges and and becomes the closer so to say but I think they from everything talking to people around the the Cubs they're really going in with the closer by committee. And sometimes it could be someone like Adbert Alzali, right? Where he finishes the eighth and ninth inning. If the if the lineup matches up, right. Keegan Thompson theoretically could be in that role. Brandon Hughes, if, it, if it's a pocket of lefties, but the veterans are the, the ones that I would keep my eye on the most, just given what we saw last year. If you remember last year at this time, they had signed Michael Givens, Chris Martin and, and David Robertson. And the question was, who was the closer then? And you kind of figured it would be one of those veteran guys and, Clearly, David Robinson took the job and ran with it. I think that that could be the case again this year when you look at someone like Michael Fulmer mm-hmm. or Brad Boxberger, where those guys have some some experience in the league. They know how to get out at, at the big league level and have done it for for a, a, in Fulmer's case only two years out of the bullpen, but he was a former rookie of the year, former starter. These guys could theoretically come in, take the role, and, and run with it, kind of like we saw last year with David Robertson. Andy, you mentioned Adbert Alzali, and you talked to him for your Cubs weekly podcast, and I know that he's a confident young man. He's also a guy that I was surprised that they're going to begin using him out of the bullpen. Same with Keegan Thompson. When David Ross announced the plan for the rotation and the fifth starting role being up for grabs and Alzali and Keegan Thompson being ticketed for the bullpen, how did they take those kind of that kind of that decision and those kind of roles and how do you think they will fit in yeah both were very all gung-ho about it Edward I mentioned that towards the end of last season he kind of figured that this would be the role and if you remember in his case he he kind of came back from a shoulder injury that I don't think it would have been even had he pitched really really well and and really a lot last year in the second half when he came back I don't think it would have been realistic for him to, to expect you know 150 innings or something like that in the starters role but we saw how effective he was as a reliever in that multi-inning role, kind of like Keegan Thompson. That I think it just made sense to get them in that rotate in that in that mold and, and get them going in, into that role this season. And the the other thing too with the with the starting roles is they have that depth where they someone like Hayden Wisniewski theoretically could be the fifth starter, but could also fluctuate in that role or be a Triple A depth. And for, for Edward, I was like Keegan Thompson talking to Tommy Hadovy. He mentioned that they still want them stretched out. They still don't want them to be your traditional one-inning reliever or, or few batter reliever, right, where they're, they're only facing a couple guys. They want them to be stretched out. They want them to be able to get multiple outs if necessary. And that's what they were most successful at. That At the same time, I could theoretically see a situation some point this season where one of those guys is maybe getting a two two or three-inning opener start, so to say, so I don't think the, the, the door is completely shot long-term on, on them being starters. But I think this year, just given the way the rotation is set up, I think realistically and what's most effective for them is, is being that multi-inning reliever role for them. Great stuff, Andy. Thank you for your time. We appreciate catching up with Thanks, you. Thanks, Andy. Thank you, guys. And we should let you know that Cubs Spring Training on the Score is sponsored by Sloan, official water efficiency partner of the Chicago Cubs. Yeah, Tom Ricketts was very interesting yesterday. We should talk about some of the things that he addressed and didn't necessarily address. Yeah, I mean, uh, 
Major League Baseball concerned about Steve Cohen. Tom not not acknowledging that he is. But we'll hear from him next. Mully and Haw on the score. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.